What's going on, everybody? This is episode five of the Putting It Up podcast. I'm Dan, once again here with my boy Lions. Lions, say what's up. We doing, guys? We are still living through this no sports world, still in this quarantine, still, still nothing really much to to do when it comes to sports right now. So we want to make it a little interesting in this episode. We're going to actually do our top ten NBA players of all time, starting from ten, working our way down to one. Uh, just to just to throw a little little something fun here for you guys listening to us. I know, like I said before, there's not much going on in sports right now, so we figured this would be kind of an, a good time to talk about our top ten all time. Lions, you got anything else to say before we get started? Uh, not really, man. I'm just kind of interested to see what you got. Uh, I mean, top tens have been, uh, you know, it's been talked about all the time over the past whatever years. We we've all kind of had our thoughts and opinions on who's the best of all time. I've seen some crazy opinions. I've seen some realistic opinions, but kind of seems like most people don't have the same top ten, so this should be interesting. Yeah, this would be good because, like I said, I feel that both of us are have a really good knowledge, you know, when it comes to the history of the game and, you know, who's done what and who ranks where and things like that. I just feel like the two of us have a really good uh, sense of where guys rank, you know. We got a good uh, knowledge of the history of the game. Some people I see on Twitter are... T- t- talking about their top tens that they've only watched basketball for two years you know what I mean so I think both of us have you know we've we've done our homework when it comes to you know the greatest players to ever play the game no bro alright so I guess without any waiting let's go ahead Lions who's number 10 on your list alright so my top 10 I'm gonna give an honorable mention to Walt Chamberlain that was a monster but as my number 10 uh, I'm gonna give it to Bill Russell. You know that guy. Uh, he like you. You can look at him and be like, oh, he only put up 15 points, something points a game in the 60s, and he didn't have much comp to him. This guy won 11 championships in 13 years for my Boston Celtics, and he he is just one of those fundamental people that set the NBA towards what it's supposed to be for the upcoming years. And Bill Russell, he was a defensive monster. He was extremely athletic if you go back and look at tape, even though there's unfortunately not enough tape to encapsulate how good he was. Uh, you can see how athletic and how dominant he was on that court and why he should be a top 10 player. Um, due to a lack of era, I'm going to put him at 10. But realistically, if you put him in any era, he could dominate. But for me, he's number 10. He's a guy that could just flat out win. He, he's a winner, and that's why he's on my list, and I got him at number 10. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I got no argument with that. My number 10, Bill Russell as well. Uh, like, you, you hit on it You hit on it earlier. Um, you said that, you know, 11 championships, player, coach. Uh, without Bill Russell, we may not have the NBA we have today. Um, so he was a pioneer when it comes to pushing the league forward. And like you said, he's just, he's a winner. I mean, you said he played 13 seasons, and he won 11 championships. You know, a defensive anchor. Um, And I think you got it right, too, when you said that he may be higher on this list, but due to the era he played in and the competition he had, um, you know, that's why I think he's he's good at Tampa. I mean, the guy won 11 championships. You can't, to me, I mean, I see a lot of people talking about Bill Russell's outside the top 10. Without, like I said, without Bill Russell, we don't have the NBA we have today. And the guy won 11 championships, most all-time, obviously. So 
to me, he's got to be in the top ten. So, all right, we agree on our on our number tens. Uh, who's your number nine? Number nine, I really have to think about this one. Uh, I think my top eight are set in stone, even though the order might not be set in stone. But for me, number nine, I gotta go with Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon. Now, hmm. listen, man, he could have definitely done more in his career had not MJ on the Bulls done what he did. For me, Hakeem, he was one of those people that he just dominated in the paint. He was one of those people that could take anyone in the paint and be able to just kind of have his way. He had very good post moves. He had that stretch where MJ retired where he won back-to-back championships. And, you know, he possibly could have had more rings had not MJ been in the league at that point. But for me, looking at Hakeem, like, he had a great career. He had an absolute, like, amazing stat line. He was one of those guys that he was athletic enough to be able to put in those numbers at any point in his career. But especially in the era that he played in, he was able to dominate. He was one of those guys that, yeah, he had guys coming up like Shaq after him. He had guys before him like Kareem and Walt that were able to set the paints for him. But he, in terms of post moves, he is definitely top two in terms of that. He was able to kind of set stone that big man mentality and be able to establish himself as a force on the court. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, Hakeem, you know, he could go, you could probably say he's the, I don't know, maybe the, he's in the top three for two-way players, in my opinion. You mentioned his offensive game, his, his post, the dream shake, you know, Hakeem, the dream, that's where that comes from. His footwork in the paint was just it was it was unstoppable, you know. He he was really smart with the ball, and like I said, he was one of the best two way players ever. He actually leads the league all time in block shots. So um, you said, like you said, he got you know his two rings when MJ took that break uh, in the nineties. You know, without, if MJ, let's say MJ doesn't retire, does he have any rings? You know, so but you know you can't discredit what he did. Hakeem actually falls out of my top ten, believe it or not. That was tough. He's my eleventh. So it was, you know, Ooh. a toss-up. Yeah, it was a toss-up between him and Bill. Oh, who do you, so who do you got at number nine? Number nine, I've got Wilt. I've got okay, Wilt. Mr. Record Book himself. That if, look, Go look at any record. <laughs> Honestly, any record you want to look at, Wilt's up there for everything. I know his era isn't as, you know, that's what people want to knock is, you know, the era he played and he played against Mailman and things like that. But go look at, I mean, like I said, Go look at any record in basketball. He's up there, whether it's points, rebounds. Uh, he has a hundred. He scored a hundred points in a game. An NBA game, he scored one hundred points. Right. He was a freak of nature. Go look at the t- the little tape we do have. He, you know, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people like to say that he, you know, maybe shouldn't be as high because of the area he played in. If you look at the game film. And his athleticism and what he could do, he could uh, to me he could play in any era and be great in any era. That's just my opinion. He was a freak athlete. There's some crazy. I won't get into it now, but there's some crazy stories um, that you you read from players back in the day talking about playing against him and 
it's just like it's playing someone it's playing someone not human basically so you know his his 50 100 point game 50 point per game average season 30 average 30 rebounds a game average it's just numbers that you know statistically you know he's he's up there because the numbers he was able to put up things he was able to do in his career you know that's why I got him up there yeah, I mean to be fair like I did have him at number 11 like we can't deny how great what was uh, I guess an error kind of does play into effect why I have Hakeem at 9 and what at 11 but yeah I mean what's athleticism we saw what he did on the court like even if like I know we weren't alive during the time, but we seen the film. What what was a monster out there? So I can't deny you from that. Uh, but to me, it's just Bill and Nakeem did more for the NBA. They had better careers uh, than what Wilt did. That's kind of where I stand. No, I I actually agree with you in terms of like career, you know, career numbers, you know, accomplishments and stuff. Yeah, I think Hakeem and and uh, Bill Russell definitely surpassed him in terms of accomplishments and championships and things like that. But to me, just he did win a couple rings, you know, which was huge for him because he was going to go down as one of those guys that doesn't win but puts up crazy numbers, you know what I mean? So um, I just think when you – he literally has almost every record in the book. You can go look at it. On most records that in, at the NBA – you know, keeps track of it. He's up in the top five of them. So that's why, to me, if I'm just checking about like 10, 10 guys who I think are the best to ever play the game, to me, Wilt's got to be in there. That's that's just how I feel about that. Yeah, I can't do that, that bro. Uh, but we got a 10 to 9 out of the way. Uh, we got 8 to go. So, Jaja, I'm going to ask you who do you got at number 8 in your list? Number 8. See, this is where it got tough for me. So, from. Nine and ten weren't weren't too hard, you know. We had three guys I could throw in there. Five through eight were tough for me. It was just maybe not the guys, but the order I had the guys in was tough for me. So after after sitting down thinking about it, at number eight I've got Larry Legend, Larry Bird as my number eight. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, I want to talk to you about that in a bit because he's a bit above my number eight spot uh simply i'll talk about the reason i have him above number eight uh but yeah bird in terms of his career it was short but it was very very progressive for the nba he's the only guy who's won mvp three years in a row and we'll definitely get into that when i talk about where he ranks in my list uh but bird is definitely making everyone's top ten he's a staple for the nba He's a guy that everyone knows, even though he might not come off as the most athletic guy. He was. He, he did what he had to do out there. He's an extreme playmaker. He was a scorer. Uh, People so, sleep on his yeah. talent, man. People sleep on his talent. His passing ability is so slept on, it's ridiculous. His shooting touch, to me, is top five ever. You know, his scoring, his playmaking, his even his defense. He just, I don't know. It hit Well, him and Magic really save the league so by just that both of them have to be in my top 10 you know and we'll get to magic later because he's definitely in my top 10 but though without those two just like uh russell was talking about earlier without those without them we don't have an nba today the nba was dying in the 70s and those two their rivalry them meeting in the finals multiple years 
they brought it back. So, you know, Larry's got to be up there for me. So I have Larry at eight. Who do you have for number eight? Yeah, no doubt. We got, like, yeah, the Larry Magic probably was crazy in the 80s. So we all remember uh, Bird stealing the, oh, Larry Bird steals the ball, passes to Dennis Johnson for the layup. That that was a crazy play. Like, uh, as some span, like, that was insane. But uh, looking at my list in terms of who's number eight, I, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. And I readjust Ooh. my five through eight all the time. But I got to go with the bean. I got to go with Kobe Bean Bryant as my number eight. And you'll see who I have above him coming up in the episode. But Kobe, to me, the only reason I have him as low as I do is because of the amount of misses he has in his career and he was a playmaker but he was a mid playmaker like you know he was that guy that wanted to take the last shot because he had that amount of confidence in himself but Kobe to me he's just not better than the next seven guys in terms of having a very good NBA career like he skill wise could probably be top four like that guy just had a work ethic like no other. Like he put in the work no matter what. He always wanted his teammates to be better. He wanted to be better himself. He always put in the work to make sure he was the best version of himself. He won a couple of defensive awards, even though we don't look at Kobe as a defender, but he still did have those moments in his career in those mid two thousands. He is obviously a five time champion. He had a couple with Shaq, but he definitely had a couple on his own. Even though he did have somewhat good teams with him, he obviously carried those late 2000 teams. Uh, and as a Thunder's fan, that really hurt me. <laughs> but Kobe, to me, like he, he's just a staple in the NBA. He, he could be a guy that could be on the logo. He's iconic, probably a top five iconic player of all time. But in terms of where I rank them all the time, in terms of their careers in the NBA, he's eight to me, even though I could probably put him anywhere five to eight. And I flip this around a lot. Right now, how I'm thinking, I have him as number eight. Wow, that's that's interesting. Okay. That I find that very interesting because you talk to a lot of people who watch basketball who are a fan of basketball and things like that a lot of them say Kobe's top 5 top 3 you know you know maybe he's two you know some people some people have him a lot higher it's shout interesting huh shout out Ryan Slate yep shout top out to our boy time. Ryan Slate give him a follow on Twitter too um but yeah a lot of people like I said have Kobe way way higher um and it's interesting because I actually have Kobe at number seven. So I'm surprised you had him this low at eight because I thought you may have had him closer to your five, four, three, that range, right? So I thought I was going to have to get in an argument today on this pod about Kobe, you know, RIP Mamba. But still, you mentioned it, you know, leads the league and misses ever, you know. Um, I don't want to. The thing I don't want to talk about, though, is is him getting carried by Shaq because I don't think that's true. That narrative's out there, too, for a lot of people like to hate Kobe. That's definitely not true. I don't think either could have won without the other during those three years. They probably should have had more. They probably should have won a few more rings, but, you know, attitudes and egos got the best of that. But um, Kobe's great. Like I said, Kobe's great. I think I don't think he's better than 
you know, the next you know, six, seven guys, whatever it is. But a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people have him five. And you mentioned him as an iconic player. And I think what Kobe did for a lot of people in our generation is he gave them um, an emotional connection. That was the guy you, you tried to replicate, you know, on the court. When I was growing up, my favorite player, obviously, all time was LeBron. I was not jumping 50 feet, off, 50 inches off the ground. Definitely wasn't doing that. So I could not replicate that. So who was I replicating? You know, in, my, in the front yard, I was replicating Kobe with his turnaround jumpers, his his post fades, and things like that. So you mentioned Kobe being an icon. I think, I think that holds a lot of weight for people, and that's why a lot of people have him up a lot higher. Um, but for me, being a realistic person when it comes to my top 10 list i just don't think he's his career was better than like there's there's other guys that would have taken ahead of him you know what i mean so a lot of people say he's top three top five that's how you feel that's how you feel but i'm actually surprised you had him this low because i thought i was gonna have to have an argument with you about it um so that's good to hear so that was my set kobe was my seven as i mentioned so who did you have for seven yeah, Kobe is tough for me. Like I was saying, like I could definitely have Kobe anywhere five through eight on any given day. It's one of those things where I kind of flip flop my opinion on these things, but I I do feel pretty confident on my list uh, as him number eight, as great as he was. Uh, but for me, number seven, I'm gonna go with the recent Hall of Famer. Shout out to this man. I'm gonna go with Mr. Fundamental, Tim Duncan. Now, Tim Duncan to me, I. Tim Tim Duncan, growing up as a kid, he is the reason I grew up as a basketball fan, and that might be the most boring statement you've ever <laughs> heard in your entire life. And unfortunately, I don't care. Now, Tim Duncan, to me, in that system, in that Spurs system, and how he integrated into that, how good of a guy he was, how driven he was as a person, as a basketball player, that resonated with me. And just kind of looking at what he did in the court, he always made sure he was in a position to win. Now, Tim and Pop may have clashed here and there, but I remember watching that Tim Duncan jersey retirement ceremony and him and Popovich were kind of talking to each other and Popovich was talking on the court. And I remember Popovich kind of mentioned how Tim Duncan was that type of guy to be the leader on the practice floor where even though he might not agree with your opinion, he'll listen to you and he'll go with whatever the lesson was at that point, whatever the coaching method was, and then he'll talk to you after about it and see like, all right, coach, why are you talking about this? But he won't mention in front of the other players. That's the type of leadership he showed in terms of like trying to have the other players be better in terms of how Kobe showed it but with me Tim Duncan he was the absolute role of a team player but he fulfilled his role where he could be a star he fundamentally sounded that Spurs team he was that guy that could get stops that could get scores he's the guy that controlled that paint on both ends of the floor and he has one of the greatest basketball resumes of all time. He was that guy that if you want to establish winning on your team, he's that guy that gave you 50-plus wins for 20 seasons straight. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing you could debate about it. He's he's just a guy that won basketball games. Him and, that's, and the Spurs teams. He had Bruce Bowen and 
David Robinson, those guys. He had Mon Ginobili and Tim Duncan, or he had Mon Ginobili and Tony Parker in the later days. He had good teammates, but he was definitely the guy that carried those teams and was the reason why those teams were able to flourish. And just looking at Timmy, and especially in some of the finals he had where he averaged like 24, 12, like six assists and like four blocks, he put up crazy numbers. Like he might not be the most entertaining player to watch, but he was the player that got it done. And he was the reason why you won at the end of the game. And Kobe definitely won games too in a different perspective. But I feel like Tim Duncan, uh, you could just, re- he, he was kind of Mr. Reliable. You could definitely rely on him and he was able to get the job done. He might not been of the most skilled player on the court, at all times, but he will always get you that win, and that weighs heavily into how I think of this list. Except against the Miami Heat in 2013, but that's besides the point. But no, I want to stay right here on Tim Duncan, because Tim Duncan, to me, is so, to me, underrated, you know, at the end of the day. You mentioned it. 50 wins every year of his career. Never missed the playoffs. Was always there. And people, for people that say Tim Duncan was boring, and you didn't like to watch him you didn't like the game of basketball that's just how i feel if you don't like tim duncan and you don't like the way he plays the game you're not a fan of basketball that man to me is so slept on like you said three finals mvps five rings two mvp regular season mvp and you mentioned his stat lines back in the day those early 2000s runs where he's putting up like you said close to 30 15, 6, 7 assists, 3, 4, 5 blocks, whatever it was. His stat, he, to me, Tim Duncan is, is extremely slept on. Um, they were actually having a debate on first take the other day, Stephen A. and uh, Max Kellerman. They were, they were asked, their question was, who who had a better career? Was it Kobe or was it Duncan? And it really, really got me thinking that, wow, I always, you know, you just, off the top of your head, you may have said Kobe. Like, that would have just been the first instinct was just Kobe but then you really sit back and you think about it. you think about what Duncan was able to do I like to compare him to you know crossing sports here but to Tom Brady you know for the most part being with one until now being with one organization um, playing 20 years is in the mix and in the thick of things every single year and you called him Mr. Reliable that's exactly what it is he's Mr. Reliable you could rely on Tim Duncan and Tom Brady at any point in the game whether it's the start of the game to lead you guys or the end of the game where you need something need something big you can count on Brady or you can count on Duncan so I always love that comparison the Spurs and the Patriots that's you know those are the two best friend you know two of the best franchises in each of the sports so Tim Duncan is extremely slept on I'm really really happy you had him at seven um because I had him at six (laughs) I had him right ahead of Kobe too so Tim Duncan for everything I just said he was my sixth best player of all time like I said, Rookie of the Year, three MVPs, Finals MVPs, all defensive teams, first teams, whatever it was, man. Tim Duncan, he may have had the perfect career. There was no drama. There were no locker room issues. There was no off-the-floor issues. There were no teammate issues. There was never a coaching issue. There was never there was never anything but winning basketball games. That's, that's it. When it comes to Tim Duncan, he was there just to win basketball games. So he may have had the perfect career. Like I thought about the other day, he may have had the perfect career. So that's he. He comes in at number six for me. Who did you have at number six? 
Black, though, I, I, I really, really, really like that Tim Duncan, Tom Brady comparison. Like, for me, like, as a Pats fan, obviously, I'm slightly biased, but I got Tom Brady as a GOAT in terms of football. Like, he did his thing out there. He was always about winning. He always provided for us. He, he developed in the system really well, just like Tim Duncan did. And, like, both of them, like, there was always no drama. It was always just about, all right, how are we going to be able to get that ring? So I, I appreciate that you mentioned that. That was, I, I can resonate in that, especially as a kid. I kind of grew up as a secondary Spurs fan, so I, I can resonate in that. But you just got to uh, think, man, those two, those two, like, they're just, they're the ideal player. You know what I mean? Like, there's no issues with them. They're just stay with one franchise for the most part and they're just great at what they do and that's winning championships and winning games you know what i mean so that's why i always compare the pats and the spurs in terms of organizations how to me you know belichick's the best coach in football history that's you know that's how i feel pop is one of the top two three coaches ever in my opinion um so you got the two coaches and you got the model star you got the brady and you got the duncan so i've always you know looked at them hand in hand uh how they just how they go about their business in, in terms of winning games. So I've always felt that comparison was was necessary. I I definitely I, I definitely agree on that point. Like I, I see a situation where I got uh Phil Jackson as one, Popovich is two, Belichick definitely a top three coach of all time. Those are just two winning teams. But in terms of the get into my number six, which was definitely tough like like I was saying, these one through eight it's an extremely tough decision for me. These picks kind of flip in terms of how I'm feeling day in, day out. Like, I've really got to think about this. But for me right now, uh, I got my man Shaq at number six. Uh, and, like, for me, he was just that guy. He, he was the most dominant force the NBA has ever seen. Like, he could just body anyone in the paint. He could make his way. He won those rings with Kobe. He won that ring with D-Wade. He was always able to establish himself as the dominant force and was able to do whatever it took to win the chip. Uh, Shaq, for me, like, obviously, if he were in the NBA nowadays, it might be a little different, but he is the reason why the NBA was what it was at the time. Because you always looked at Shaq and you always have to think about, all right, how do we stop this guy? A lot of coaches drop some schemes and then they put against Shaq and they're like, oh, wait, this isn't going to work. Because then they saw Shaq in real life and they're like, all right, this guy is a lot more dominant than we actually thought he was. This, this is the type of guy that would average 29 and 15 on you while able to kind of lock up the paint. He wasn't known as a defensive guy, but... He could hold his own on defense, no doubt, but just looking at him, at him as an offensive force, like, you could not stop him. I don't care who you are in NBA history. This guy is the most unstoppable force in NBA history. And just kind of seeing what he did in his career, it's kind of unreal, and I'm sure we won't be able to see this in a while. I know Shaq kind of likes to carry his torch to Giannis, but Giannis is a different animal, but he's not the same beast. Like, he, he's cool and all, but no one will be Shaq 
at least from what I've seen for a while. I, I got to see some other really bulk dude who's able to hold his own in the paint and able to just force himself down low. Because Shaq, if you have Shaq on your team, you know you're able to score down low and able to get those rebounds, and no one will stop you. Just the fact that he was so dominant in his position and was able to give you a guaranteed bucket, guaranteed stop, or a guaranteed rebound is a reason I have him as number six. Uh, Jacket, who do you got? Well, uh, we're actually going to take a break right here. We both got our bottom five players. Just to recap, mine at number 10, I have Bill Russell. Nine, I have Wilt Chamberlain. Eight, I have Larry Bird. Seven, Kobe Bryant. Six, Tim Duncan and Lions. Right. At number 10, has Bill Russell. At number nine, has Hakeem Olajuwon. Number eight, Kobe Bryant. Number seven, Duncan. And number six, Shaquille O'Neal. So we're going to take a break right now and give you a message from our sponsors. We'll come back and we'll talk to you about our top five. All right, everybody, we're back. So we, like I said, we talked about our bottom five. Now we're moving on to our top five. I'm going to start it off with my number five. And it was your number six, Shaquille O'Neal. And like I said, for every reason that you that you mentioned for Shaq being up there, same thing for me. Most dominant player to ever play the game. You know, three straight championships in L.A., then goes off to Miami and brings one home for, for D-Wade in the city of Miami. Um, but, like you said, guaranteed bucket when you throw him under, when you throw it down to Shaq. Nobody was ever stopping that man. To me, Shaq had the potential to be the greatest player to ever play. Um, that's just how I felt about Shaq always. Did he take it seriously all the time? I can't say that that's true. Um, that's a big part of the reason that him and Kobe split. You know, Kobe had this mindset that you had to work, work, work. And Shaq just said, I don't need to work because I'm just massive and nobody can stop me. If Shaq had had that mindset of a Kobe Bryant, the way Kobe was trying to get him to, to practice and to condition his body and things like that, there's no doubt in my mind they would have won at least two more rings and Shaq could have gone down as the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. That's just how I feel. He was that dominant. He was that big of a force down low. Defensively, nobody wanted to bring the ball in the paint because you know Shaq was there to swat it into the fourth row. Offensively, you had to bring three, four guys just to even slow him down. Obviously, his big weakness was his free throw shooting. Um, what do you expect as a guy holding a tennis ball trying to throw it into a net? You know, like his hands are so big that that's what the ball feels like. Um, a lot of people like to say that Shaq was just a throw it into the paint and you know that's the only way he can do his work people are be surprised you look at some of the earlier Shaq tape he's taking the ball from the from the three-point line making a move one or two uh, moves on a guy spinning back and uh you know Duncan laying it up whatever, whatever it is he's he wasn't just to throw it down the block and that's the only way he was effective he was effective multiple ways he was also a phenomenal phenomenal passer out of the double or triple team down low to you know, and to, you had a guy like Kobe who was who was usually open because of that, because he was so dominant. That's why they were so good together. And like you mentioned, Phil Jackson, being one of the greatest coaches ever, they had him too. The triangle offense. That team should have won a few more championships. Shaq and Kobe each have a few more rings. But like I said, that's to me that was holding Shaq back from being the greatest player of all time was just that mentality and that mindset of, you know, I can't always rely on my physical gifts. You know, I've got to train my body, train my mind, things like that. So, like I said, Shaq, to me, had he done all that, could have been the greatest player to ever play. 
but for me, he's going to sit at five right now. I mean, I'd call you crazy for saying that Shaq could have potentially been the greatest player of all time, but I can't really call you crazy for that. Like, if Shaq were to put in the work, if he were to have that modern mentality, like, just looking at him, looking at what he could have done, yeah, he, he definitely could have been the greatest player of all time. And then Kobe could have won seven rings. He, he could have, like, been... As lean as he was in his LSU days, he, he could have been able to been a guy that was able to average 32 and 20 in this day. But he just kind of looked at what he was and he's like, all right, this is good enough to win games. This is good enough to win the championship. So I'm just going to do this. If he were to put in that work, yeah, he he, he definitely could have had it, had it. And unfortunately, we didn't get to witness that. And I wish we could have. Uh, but for me, number five, it is the guy that you mentioned earlier um, that I'm going to bring up now who you may kind of see as slightly overrated, maybe. But I'm going to say that my number five of all time, maybe slightly biased as Celtics fan, but I'm going to say Larry Legend. Now, a big testament as to why I say he's number five is when I look at guys... Um, I kind of look at more of their prime, maybe more than I look at their longevity. Uh, so I look at Larry Legend, I realized that his career was cut short due to injury. But when he played, he was the only player of all time to win back-to-back-to-back MVPs. Uh, he had an insane IQ on the floor. He was able to make any pass in the world. He was able to make any shot. He got a lot of rebounds. And he even got so bored at a point, even though maybe the 80s were kind of a slower era to some of you people, he took a whole game to save for the Bulls where he shot mainly with his left hand and dropped 47 on, I think it was the Trailblazers. Fact check that. I could be wrong. But Larry, to me... Uh, he, he won a three-point contest in uh, a jacket. Like he was one of the greatest shooters of all time. Even in his error, he was able to shoot that three-ball. He had insane court vision. He had underrated athleticism. Like Larry, unfortunately, if it weren't due to injury, I think he would be unanimously top five on everyone's list. But Larry, to me, he was. I'm just going to bring this up. My dad thinks he's the greatest of all time. We're not going to talk about that because he doesn't know basketball like that. But I can kind of see growing up in that era, if you were to look at Larry Legend, you see him as like, all right, how can anyone encapsulate this guy? And that's how he was in the 80s. He was one of those people that you just looked at like, all right, this is, dominus, this is the dominant force in the league. And Larry, to me, like him and Shaq kind of go back and forth as five and six for me. It's really tough. But just in terms of what Larry was able to do in his prime, in terms of his skill set, that's the reason I have him as number five. Back to your fact check. Uh, You're right. It was against the Trailblazers. He played an entire game, left-handed only, and finished with 47 points. 
14 rebounds and 11 assists and 120 to 119 overtime win against the Trailblazers. And they asked him, why did you play left-handed? He said, I'm saving my right for the Lakers. No, for the Lakers. It was the Lakers. It was the Lakers. So back to what you said about Larry, man. You said it. His prime was one of the best we've ever seen. The problem, the reason I have him way lower than you do, you have my fifth, I have him at I think eight, um, is just because longevity, you said longevity doesn't matter too much to you. To me, longevity is a huge, huge piece to when I factor in how, you know, the greatest of all time was. Just because if I can, if I get one or two or three seasons of you being, you know, one of the greatest ever, that's great, but there's guys who did it for, to me, I, I I'm, I'm saying this in a confusing way, but defining greatness is being able to do it, to me at least, is being able to be at the top for that long stretch of time. I know injuries and things like that, so it's not his fault, but greatness to me is being great, being at the top of the game for a long period of time, right? Doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And like I said, if you want to talk just peaks, Bird may be top three, top four all time. We talk about just peaks, you know? So I don't. I can't knock you for having him at fifth, but that's the reason I had him a little bit lower, just because of his prime was great, but it didn't last very long. But like I said, back-to-back-to-back MVPs, three championships, one left-handed 47-point triple-double. I can't knock you for it. So that was your number five. So we're down to the top four, okay? And I'll just start it. My number four is Magic, all right? And I mentioned it earlier, to me, Magic and Larry both have to be in the top ten just because of what they did for the game of basketball. Those two saved the game. Larry was, I mean, not Larry, Magic was such a, they call it the Showtime Lakers. He was he was the show back, that, back in the day. He was, he was the must-see athlete in sports. He was the most flashy passer you may ever see. He was dominant in all facets of the game. We talk about his rookie year performance in the finals in the last game where his center was hurt, so he decided to play center. And correct me if I'm wrong, did he not have 40-something points playing center? I think he did. I'll fact-check that in a little bit. But, yeah, he went off in his rookie season, had however many points he had, playing a whole different position, and won the championship and won finals MVP. That's just greatness. You know, that that that's greatness. That's that's to come in as a rookie and do that. And Magic had a long career too. Magic, he was in the in the league for a while. He did it I guess like I mentioned before, he did it for a long period of time. And he was just he led that Showtime Lakers team and he he's just a, an, an all around winner, you know, from high school to uh college to the pros. He was just a winner. He was the show, he was the guy you have to watch. And uh, I have him at number four all time. All right, so my number four, uh, you guys might not believe this, but I also got Magic at number four. Yeah, if you kind of look at Magic, it's crazy for me, like I kind of think about it. If you were to take Magic and put him in today's league, you kind of see how back in the day is much more of a man v man matchup whereas today it's kind of you got to be able to switch positions magic is one of those guys that would be able to accelerate in any era like as you take magic today you would definitely be able to switch positions and be able to guard any matchup that comes his way 
and Magic to me, Braun comes close to be honest, but Magic to me has the highest basketball IQ of all time. He's able to see the floor better than anyone else. He's be, he's able to read plays. He's able to make the right basketball decision, and he's able to lock up his Magic. Like Magic was the definition of a point god. He was able to do it all, especially at his height, where he had a mismatch most of the time against his opposition, but he was still able to be dominant where his height difference didn't seem to be in the main factor. He was just that much better than the other player. Uh, but Dan mainly touched on most of the points I was going to touch on when I came to Magic, so I'm just going to leave it to his points and some of the points I was touching on earlier. Magic to me is definitely in the number four position and now this is where it definitely gets interesting the top three of all time i'm sure you guys can think of who we have as the top three i'm sure like there's only certain names that can come to mind but we're, we're gonna get into this we're gonna talk about why we got these guys where we got them uh but i'm gonna start off with jadget who do you got as number three all time now, you mentioned it earlier, you know, you mentioned it a few minutes ago that when it comes to the top three players ever, there's only certain guys who fit this. I'm sure everybody knows who our top three is. It's just a matter of where we put them in the top three. So I'll start at number three. I've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Luol Sender, right? Kareem, the number one scorer in the history of basketball. The player with the most unstoppable shot we've ever seen in the skyhook. Six-time champion. Six-time MVP. In, in all honesty, he may be underrated. He may be underrated because of what he was... If you're talking about accomplished players, he might be the most accomplished player we've ever seen. Most MVPs ever. Six championships. Like I said, leads the league in scoring. Um... Leads the game of basketball in scoring total, 40-something thousand points. Kareem was just unstoppable. You know, he was partnered up with Magic later on in his career, got the ring, got some rings, but he was just unstoppable. You know, he was – there's nothing less that you can say about Kareem. He won at every single level. Like I said, he's probably the greatest college basketball player we've ever seen, right? And then he came right into the NBA, and he was that guy again. You know, seven-foot whatever he was – the shot that cannot be blocked, could not be blocked, could not be stopped in the skyhook. And there's not much you got to say about Kareem, man. To me, Kareem is the third best player of all time. Yeah, I got to agree with you, man. Like, him at UCLA, I, I think it's undoubtedly uh, that he is the greatest college basketball player of all time, uh, especially in terms of his resume. Pause that real and quick, because like there, was, there was a thing going around I think it was about an ESPN on Twitter saying that Jordan had the greatest uh, college career in NCAA That's history. A What's that? Mac cap. What? Cap. MJ, no. No, 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 no. Okay, glad we're on the same page here. Yeah, yeah. Now, Kareem had the greatest college career of all time. There's no debate when it comes to that. I think he had an 88-2 and two record in his career, and he set all these records that were unprecedented at the time. Kareem, at the time, in college, 
you, you look at him coming out of it, and you're like, all right, this is about to be the most amazing human athlete we've ever seen in our entire lives. Like, that's the type of career he had in college at UCLA. Uh, but in terms of his NBA career, yeah, he has the most points scored of all time. He has one of those greatest as resumes. Like, Dan mainly touched on all these main points. Like, unfortunately, it does come down to era, and it's slightly biased because he did play so long ago. Even though he does have all these accolades, and like Dan was saying, like if we go strictly off basketball resume, he, he, he could potentially be the greatest player based on accolades. He could. Yeah, if, you, if somebody came to me and told me that you have Kareem as your GOAT, I'm not going to argue with you. No, I see that. Like, yeah, Kareem, like, these top three are definitely interchangeable to me. Uh, but at least in terms of me, like, looking at basketball skill combined with basketball accolades, like, it's tough for me, but at least in the era I grew up in, I got to see Kareem as number three, even though he did have as great a resume as he had. Now, I'm going to spoil it for y'all. Obviously, number one and two, we obviously have LeBron and MJ, the order undetermined right now. But those are, I think, undoubtedly, yeah, we could throw Kareem into the Rick mix. Maybe he's one or two or three in this. But for most people, MJ and Braun are one and two, depending on how you see the game and determining on how, or and determining on when you grew up in basketball. So, for me, personally, i kind of like to start off talking about this. Uh, for my number two, MJ or LeBron, I'm going to go with LeBron. If you want to talk about LeBron as one of the most skilled players, he was the most skilled player of all time, I can see your argument because overall, I think he has one of the most well-rounded games of all time, especially in those heat days where he's able to definitely lock up as well. Uh, he, he was able to pass in terms of the perimeter and out of the post. He was able to defend most of the other team's best players. He was able to score at will, and he was able to do what he wanted to do on the court. Like, And especially, like you were saying, in terms of longevity, like We've seen him from 2003, and it's 2020 right now, and he's still. Say it, just say it. He's the best in the game. Yeah, yeah. He's top one in the NBA, uh, and it's been 17 years. Like it's crazy to think that anyone's been able to do that in their career, and here's LeBron doing that. But like I was saying earlier, in terms of Larry's argument, I kind of look at where they were at in their peak, and I. In their peak, it kind of comes like they got to have at least eight years to me type of thing. Like they can't have one year like some Linsanity type of thing. Like I, I don't, I don't regard that type of situation. I got to look like they have at least eight to twelve insane years in their career. With LeBron to me, I think that he has too many blunders in his career where he's not able to take that goat spot. Uh, but regardless. He's been one of those guys that's been able to make players around him better. He's been able to take over games, even though he's not known as being the best clutch player of all time type of thing. He's had his clutch moments, and he's been able to lead teams in his career. So MJ Braun has always been really tough for me, um, especially growing up, because I've seen a lot more of LeBron than I've seen of Jordan. But just kind of what a Noah's a basketball fan, 
and how great Jordan was, I gotta put LeBron at number two just because Jordan is that staple of basketball to me, where he's been a defensive player of the year multiple times. He's been that offensive threat multiple times where he's average upper 30. Where I think if you were to fit any great team and put LeBron or Jordan on your team, LeBron might make that team better. I think if I were to take any player to win a championship, I want to take Jordan. And for that reason, I have LeBron at number two. All right, so you've got Braun at two and obviously MJ at one. Everybody knows that I am the probably the biggest LeBron fan that there is on planet Earth. Um, the reason I started watching basketball and the reason I love basketball to this day is because of LeBron James, right? He came to the league in 2003. Uh, you mentioned it's now 2020, 17 years of greatness, right? To this day, he's still the best. He probably became the best player in the league, I would say, probably 08 maybe 2009, right? And he's been the best player in the league since. You had that one Curry year, fine. You could, whatever, that was a toss-up. But to me, it was still LeBron. LeBron showed it in the finals. LeBron, to me, is the most versatile player to ever play the game. He can play all five positions. He can guard all five positions. He's really, really slept on defensively because I know the last year and a half, he's taken a his foot off the gas on the defensive end of the floor, concerning himself for the playoffs. But if you remember in his Miami years, he was actually robbed of a defensive player of the year. He finished two behind Marcus Saul, who didn't even make all defensive first team. That's all I'm going to say about that. So LeBron was robbed of a defensive player of the year, but we can't go on what he should have. We're going to go on what he does have. He The three and six re- finals record, I know that's a big thing everybody wants to throw at him. Three and six. Um, sure, you know, there were some mishaps in the finals, but you got to look at it. 2015, Ky- no Kyrie, no Kevin Love. Can't win that against Steph and the Warriors. Took him to six games with Del Vado as the second best player. 07, when he, who was, I don't even know who his next best player was. Zadrudis Ogalskis, Mo Williams, maybe. Delonte West, was that a second best player? Going up against those Spurs we talked about a little earlier, no way he was winning that. And then when Katie joined the Warriors, was there any team ever that was beating those two? Probably not. The only the only thing to me in LeBron's career that you can really hold against him was 2011 against Dallas, where he just fell apart in the in the finals. I did a whole thing on Twitter a couple days ago, re-watch, not actually not rewatching those games because I refused to ever rewatch those as a Heat fan and as a LeBron fan. Those days I'll never I'll never rewatch the, those games. But you know Miami had it was in prime position to go up three two in that series, and LeBron had eight points in that finals game, and they lost. And then they lost the next game, and then they lost the finals to Dallas, where they came in they were supposed to win not one not two not three not four whatever, and they lost to Dallas and LeBron didn't show up in the finals, so. With all that said, with everything I just said about him being the most versatile player, him being the his longevity being such a such a factor, him being the best in the NBA still today, and you you talk about Magic being the smartest player, I actually think LeBron's the smartest player on both ends of the floor, makes his teammates better. Everything I just said, I still have LeBron at number two. 
And the reason I have LeBron at number two is because of what I said about Dallas. Not just that series, but there were times in his career, even before then, in Cleveland, that game seven against Boston, where people say he gave up, he quit. I just don't think Jordan would have ever had those moments. He didn't have any of those moments. Every time he got to the finals, he won. I know 6-0 and is the thing everybody wants to throw at LeBron, and six is greater than three, which it is. Some titles way more than others, like the one where LeBron and the Cavs came back 3-1. That's worth a lot to me. That right there is worth a few rings to me just because of how amazing that was. In the grand scheme of things, they were a 73-win team, you know, greatest team of all time. Steph had supposedly taken the reins from LeBron as the best player in the league, and then Brian Kyrie, you know, that Cavs team came back and won that championship. So that that's a big thing. Um, but it's, it goes back to those moments where I don't think today and in the last however many years after 2011, we weren't going to see that from LeBron where he falls apart in the finals or in big moments. We saw, we saw it, you know, game six in Boston was a big moment where they're facing elimination. And if they lose, the big three probably breaks up and it's the biggest failure in basketball history. And then he's definitely, definitely thrown off a cliff and we're never going to hear from LeBron again just in terms of the GOAT conversation because if they don't win that game and they Miami breaks up it's you know it's over for him so that was to me his most pressured game he came through he won you know the next season in, in Miami everybody says Ray Allen saved his legacy LeBron scored 16 straight points before that to get them back to you know to even competing in that game before Ray Allen hit the shot so there were moments where he did obviously after the 2011 finals where he did come back and he was you know great like we know him to be today but that moment of 2011 where he looked like he was just scared of the moment a couple of rounds seasons before against Boston or against Orlando where he just looked scared of the moment that's that's just the thing that MJ wouldn't do like when MJ was there when he got to when he got there you know it was that mindset we talked about he's not he's just ultra competitive and he was not gonna let anybody beat him it was he was gonna get every single thing he had on that out there. You know he's gonna leave it all out there and and win those championships. So to me, if you want to talk about who's a better basketball player, I, to me I would personally say LeBron's probably the better basketball player. If I had to pick him, if I had to pick one of the two to to lead my franchise, I'd probably take LeBron to be honest with you. But when we talk about who's the greatest of all time, to me it's MJ and it's that ship sailed when when twenty eleven happened with LeBron. That's the you know biggest superstar meltdown in class we've seen ever maybe in sports so when that happened to me it eliminated him from the go conversation I, you know i you, i may tweet oh lebron's a go this and that that's just because i love him he's my favorite player ever but in terms of the greatest player ever not always mj6 and oh he's never had a, a mishap like that so that's why i have mj as number one and lebron as number two i guess the only thing i can disagree with you on those statements because most of what you're talking about is straight facts i can't argue with it uh, yeah, you say LeBron's a greater player overall, which I might be able to agree with, but if we were to look at those two players and we're like, all right, who do we want to see? Who do we want to start a team with? You're probably going to say LeBron, and I'm probably going to say MJ. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say MJ is simply because of that mentality. If you want to take one guy that you have on your team and you want to put your trust in, MJ is going to be able to, like you were saying, is going to be able to provide that aspect where I don't care what the situation is, I'm going to win the game. 
MJ has proven that through his defensive awards and through his scoring title war awards, through his rings, through his everything in his career. If you have MJ on your team, you're going to win the game. LeBron, like, if you have a decent squad built around you where it fits LeBron, then LeBron's going to win against MJ. But if you were to just start with one player or the other, MJ, in terms of an individual talent, he's going to win you that title over LeBron. That, that is the reason. I know we both have MJ as number one, but that is the absolute reason. I have a couple other reasons, but that is the absolute reason why I have MJ as a go. So I agree with you. We obviously agree MJ is the GOAT and LeBron's number two, but I actually am going to disagree with you on what you just said. So you right. said when you have MJ, you win, right? right? That's obviously not the case because he didn't win every single year. He had to get Scotty. He had to get Phil. The team had to be, you know, Robin. And I'm not, again, this is not a discredit to MJ. This is, he had what he had. That's not his fault that he had what he had. And he took, he made the most of it, right? That's great. But the year that he didn't have that, First round exit, first round exit, first round exit. To me, when I if I have LeBron on my team, he's making every single player better. We can listen to you know little snippets of players talking about, and you know the Jordan documentary is coming up soon, so I'm gonna love to see that and love to hear what teammates said about him and things like that. But you hear a lot of people saying that they didn't want, they didn't like playing with him because he was just, you know, it, it's similar to Kobe. It's just that that heart of a teammate. That's why Shaq didn't want to play with with Kobe. When you have LeBron, to me, he makes every single player that much better. He can take guys who are not all-star cal. Obviously, he has had all-star teammates when he won championships and things like that. But he can he took that Cavs team in 07 to the finals, which had no business being in the finals. That same team two years later won 66 games. That team had no business winning 66 games. And then back in 2018 when he beat Boston in seven games to go to the finals, that team also had no business being in the finals. So that's what I'm saying, like, when MJ had his his roster together, and that team, you know, those the the seventy two ten Bulls and those guys with Scotty and Rodman and Paxson and Jackson and whatever, they won every time. And again, that's not a discredit to MJ. It's just me saying that if I when I have LeBron, if I have LeBron on my team, it really doesn't matter what else I put around him. He's gonna probably get me to the finals or get me very very close. Whereas MJ, and again, this is not me slandering MJ in any sort of way. With MJ, we had certain things had to happen in order for him to get to the finals, right? And then win in the finals because his biggest challenges came in the Eastern Conference as opposed to the where he met in the finals. So obviously they had to get through the East, but he had to have that team with him, which again, I'm not saying is a slight to MJ. I'm just saying with LeBron, if I have him, it doesn't really matter who else I have around him. I'm probably going to get to the finals. I may not win the championship, Sometimes I will, if I if I'm able. Because at the end of the day, in order to win championships in in the NBA, you have to have multiple stars. That whole notion if one guy is going to do it is just not true. Because Scotty was a star, Rodman was a star. They're all stars in their role. And when LeBron won championships, he had Wade, Bosh, Kyrie. Those were stars as well, right? So I'm not saying because you can't win without a, without other stars in your team. That's just false if anybody tells you that. But to me, when I have LeBron, it doesn't really matter what stars I put or who I put, I'm probably going to get to the finals. That's the only reason I would take LeBron. And then he can also guard all five positions, and he's, to me, the smartest player ever. So that's why I have him in terms of who would I take to build my team. It'd be LeBron. But who was the greatest? To me, it's Jordan because of those failures we talked about earlier. I can see your point. I just kind of want to go off what you were saying earlier in terms of uh, how LeBron can lead a bunch of teams to very far in the playoffs, if not championship. And you look at 
MJ in terms of him essentially needing Scotty and you know Dennis and all this. I mean, they kind of had the same somewhat of a separation where MJ came in the league in the mid '80s and took him till '91 to get to a championship. He had LeBron at '03 and it took him till '07 to get to a championship. Even though he not might not have won that in '07, he at least got to that championship where he was severely outmatched against a very overmatched Spurs team. You look at MJ and. Yeah, like, he was young at the time. He was not as young as LeBron because, obviously, we know MJ had several years at UNC and LeBron came straight out of high school and he was able to do what he did at a very young age compared to MJ. You look at MJ, yeah, he had to adjust to the NBA in those first few years the same way that LeBron did. And the thing is, you look at that three-peat, that initial three-peat of 91 and 93, the thing is that MJ might have won eight years in a row if he hadn't had that gambling addiction unfortunately like it's just one of those one ifs there's a bunch of what ifs in the nba that unfortunately like kind of disregard a bunch of situations that might have been versus what actually happened but you kind of you kind of look at that and you you see mj and you look at him and you're like all right what did he actually do now mj he won six championships within a decade whereas LeBron has won three within his whole career now most of the time I will give you credit he was the underrated team in most of these situations but to me that this is kind of where we differentiate in terms of the player I want a guy who's going to win me a ring versus a guy that's going to make my entire team better because I think that a team relies on their star a lot more than the rest of their team. Now, we've seen plenty of examples where the team's beaten the better player, but I think for the most part, if we have the best player on the court during the finals, unfortunately for LeBron, it hasn't worked out a bunch of the time because, unfortunately, he hasn't had as good of teammates, like given AKA like the 2018 finals where he put up like 40 trip, a 40-point triple-double every game. Yeah. But for the most part, if you have the best player on the court during the finals, you're going to win those finals, ETC, Michael Jordan. Yeah, that's the reason why he won every year. And if he weren't to take those two years off, I think he really could have won eight years in a row. But that's why I kind of see MJ and LeBron as a 1A and 1B. Like, we have a, lot of, a bunch of what-ifs in the NBA a bunch of, all right, what if this were to happen? What if this guy didn't get injured? What if he were to have this guy on his team? What if he were to be in his peak? Whatever. That's why it's really tough. That's why this is a legitimate argument. But for me, I kind of see MJ as that if I were to have that guy on my team that I want in the final quarter to close me out that game, because most of the time in the finals, it does come down to a close game. Mm-hmm. If I want to have that guy... It's going to be Jordan simply because he had the mentality where I don't want to lose this game. Where, like, I kind of agree with you in the point where LeBron was more versatile and he might, he definitely makes the teammates around him better. He also makes the right play. Like, you mentioned at the end of the game, like, yeah, you do want the guy with the killer instinct, quote unquote, killer instinct to to finish the game. But I also want a guy who's going to make the right play. Like, you know, I don't want to bring Kobe back up, but we saw what happens when you have a killer instinct, but you're not you're just not as good as Jordan. You know what I mean? A lot of times Kobe's throwing up bricks, double team and triple team when there's two teammates wide open. You know what I mean? So with Jordan it's a little different because 
not only was he did he have the killer instinct, but he was also knocking down the shot. You know what I mean? So I, I understand what you're saying there. I mean, Kobe's definitely had those times where he's been able to dish it off to Ryan Test or Fisher, where they've been able to get the shots. Like Kobe's definitely had those moments in the past, but like, yeah, he's he's always wanted to take that last shot. Where LeBron, like, he's been able to get that clutch moment where he's been able to win a game at the end of a playoff game. And like, that's that's uh, another thing. What, what you're mentioning right now, it took LeBron a while to get there. So I think that's what the problem. So if we talk about like at their peaks, who's the best? I'd probably take LeBron, right, at their best. But because it took LeBron so long to get there, whereas MJ came in with that mindset of I'm going to take the last shot. It took LeBron so many years of passing out the last shot and being afraid of the big moments that when he actually got there, like I said, if we're talking about peaks, I'd probably take LeBron's peak over MJ's peak in terms of just total player, right? But it took LeBron so long to actually get to the point where, because that killer instinct, don't get it, don't get it wrong. LeBron has that killer instinct, right? People, people just have this narrative. Skip Bayless puts this narrative out that LeBron's not clutch at all. LeBron has more game winners and more um, field goals with under five seconds than any player in the history of basketball. So don't get it twisted. Le- LeBron is clutch. It just it took him so long to get there, whereas Jordan came in with it. That's why talking about greatness, Jordan's got it. I have Jordan as the greatest. But in terms of peaks, I would probably take LeBron's peak over Jordan's peak to win me one basketball game. That's just how I feel about it. That's a tough thing because, like, it all, it, like, if you have a good enough team around you, I would also take LeBron. But, like, it really just depends on, like, if you were to stick one guy with any random team, I'd take MJ. Like, it, it's one of those tough situations because you got to have a decent enough team to make the finals in the first place. And in that situation, like, you can see, like, all right, if you put LeBron in that situation, he'll find a way to make it work. But if you take MJ in that situation, he'll find a way to get done. Like, right. LeBron will always make the teamwork. MJ will always find a way to get done. That, yeah. That's where it's tough. So like the individual standpoint, MJ, no doubt. But I can definitely see where you're coming from in terms of if I were to take a guy to have this guy lead my team to a championship, I can see LeBron. But overall, to me, like I was saying, the best player wins the series 9 out of 10 times. That's why I have MJ. No yeah. matter how great LeBron was able to make the team. No, it's fair. And that's why, you know, most people have them as a 1A, 1B, flip a coin. Depending on the day, one might be bigger than the other. And it is a real argument between who was the greatest. You can have an argument about it. Maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said, no, it's MJ. It's definitely MJ. But it's it's definitely an argument as to who's the greatest. And if you tell me one over the other, I'm not gonna, again, I'm not going to argue with you. That goes for the three. It goes for MJ, LeBron, and Kareem. For those three, if you want to tell me one of them is the greatest, I have no argument for you because... I could probably oh, on one day I may agree with you. You know what I mean? Versus the next day I'll disagree with you. They're just those three to me are the three greatest players we've ever seen, and that's why I have them one, two, and three. And more specifically, LeBron and MJ as one A, one B. See you on that, bro. Yeah. 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 No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, guys. So that was our top ten. Um, definitely respond to us. What did you agree with? What did you disagree with? What are your top tens? We love to hear those types of things so we can talk to you guys about it, interact with you guys, and, you know, we can argue about it like how we just did for the last hour. So um, definitely, you know, hit us on Twitter. Respond to us. Tell us what your top ten is. Any Anything else you want us to talk about in the podcast, let us know. Talk to us. DM us. Tweet us. Whatever. Something you want to hear, let us know. 
other than that, that was our top ten. I got nothing else for you guys. Any lines? Anything else? I appreciate you guys tuning in. Like Jaja was saying, you guys want to talk to us, talk to us about any situation, any like we're saying, like just this top ten. I'm sure you guys would love to talk to us about. Yeah, tweet us your top ten. Let us know what you guys think. And just in terms of maybe more current NBA, maybe more historic NBA, maybe a one's got to go, whatever is on your guys' mind, let us know. We'd love to hear what you guys got to say. Uh, but whoever's listening, whoever stuck through throughout this whole thing, we appreciate you guys listening for sure. And uh, we, we got more content coming for you. I know it's a slow and boring time for you guys, but we're going to try and provide the entertainment that you guys are seeking. And we can talk hoops. We can we can live basketball here, man. This is a basketball sure. environment. We're a basketball family. For sure. All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys later. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, guys.